Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's time once again for Texas Ag Today, so jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we are wrapping up wheat planting here in Texas, but unfortunately, the crop is not looking all that great as drought is spreading across our state. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. If you're trying to make a living in agriculture, it can help to have more than one revenue stream. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear from one Texas High Plains producer who continues to add new things to his operation. November is COPD Awareness Month, and early treatment of the disease is very important. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas continues to enjoy, well, lower daytime temperatures. We continue to wait for that first big significant cool down. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Winter wheat planting wrapping up here in Texas with 84% of the crop now in the ground. That's right on pace with the five-year average for this time of year. 64% of that crop has emerged, but the early condition ratings on this new wheat crop do not look good. USDA's Brad Rippey says the entire western U.S. wheat crop is struggling with dry conditions right now. And those problems extend southward also into Texas and the Southern Plains. 43% of the winter wheat, very poor to poor there, up from two weeks ago of 32%. As Rippy mentioned, 43% of our wheat crop rated poor to very poor. Only 34% of it is rated fair and 23%, less than a quarter, rated in the good to excellent categories. And unfortunately, those ratings may continue to get worse as drought is spreading across the state. Drought expanded across Texas for the eighth week in a row. According to the Texas Water Development Board, a third of the state is now suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's up nine percentage points over the last week, but is still less than the 84% of the state that was suffering from drought in November of 2020. The Panhandle, northeast corner of the state, west side of the Rio Grande Valley, and western areas of Texas are all suffering from drought. The Texas coast, central area of the state, and most of north and northwest Texas remain drought-free, but for how long remains to be seen. A La Nina weather pattern is still in effect. It typically means warmer and drier than normal weather for Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
Texas cattle producers are using a new cattle management software from Zoetis called Performance Beef. Colby Fletcher is with A-Team Feeders in Bushland, Texas, just west of Amarillo. He says until now, they were keeping all of their records on Excel spreadsheets and on the old-fashioned pen and paper. But the Performance Beef software has eliminated the need for that. The best part is just to, to keep everything organized in the feed yard. We do a lot of pen movements. We're a, a, mainly a grower yard. And uh, we start a lot of high-risk cattle. So we're constantly uh, pulling sick cattle out of a pen and putting them in a hospital. And then when they get better, we put them back in the pen. So using it to track movements is real handy. And then uh, tracking the feed, because those cattle are constantly upping their uh, consumption. So to track like the bunk scores and everything else works great for that. Fletcher says the Zoetis Performance Beef software is a huge time saver cutting their feeding time in half. Because we have a feed truck driver, so before it was, it was on pen and paper, so I would have to go through there and, you know, write on the paper the feed call. So now I don't have to do that. It's all on the computer. I don't have to tell him anything. He just, it's it's there. I, I get down in the morning and make all the feed calls and everything. And they're already usually set, but adjust the feed calls and stuff like that. It's, it's cut it in half. And then being organized is the main thing, you know. Uh, having to track papers around before was out of the pain. Uh, not knowing where anything is and, and stuff like that. It's, it's cut our stuff in half. If you'd like more information, check out performancelivestockanalytics.com. If you're trying to make a living in agriculture, it can help to have more than one revenue stream. James Hunt talks to one Texas High Plains producer who continues to add new things to his operation. Throughout our region, we've been having another weird year for weather. One producer who's been riding the ups and downs here in 2021 is Jared Blankenship, who grows crops and runs a cow-calf operation northwest of Hereford. We started out extremely dry early, early spring, wondered if we'd ever get a crop in, and it started raining, and it didn't quit raining for about 30 days in the May 1st of June, and turned into the Garden of Eden briefly, and then it dried up and we never had another drop. The timing of the rains turned out well for Blankenship's corn and also helped grow a lot of grass for his cattle. But the dry conditions that followed the rainy spell hurt his sorghum and is hampering his winter wheat. All of this goes to show why Blankenship believes having variety in your operation is essential. Diversity becomes critical in my mind because we live in the Texas Panhandle. And as we've seen this year, the weather wasn't devastating for corn. It was devastating for dryland sorghum. Probably 95% of my dryland acres will not be harvested. So we spread out our risk from Mother Nature, but we also spread out our risk with our markets, whether that be livestock or grains. Blankenship says over the past year, he and a friend started a business building fence and corrals, something for which demand is high. Nobody likes to build fence, and I might be included in that number. As a result, the people that used to do that kind of work have either retired or left and not been replaced. Which has created another opportunity for Jared Blankenship to continue diversifying. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. November is COPD Awareness Month. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Many people do not recognize the symptoms of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as COPD, until later stages of the disease. 
So what are some of those symptoms of COPD? Dr. James Sharp, a Waco physician, is uh, with me in our studio today. And Dr. Sharp, uh, certainly a number of symptoms that people need to be aware of. Late stages of COPD are going to give you things like chronic cough, uh, shortness of breath while you're doing normal activities around the house, maybe frequent uh, respiratory infections, fatigue, producing a lot of mucus when you're coughing, not like when you get a cold, but on a, on a regular basis, and then wheezing. These are all symptoms that uh, certainly should be discussed with your physician, but really, because these are symptoms of an advanced disease, you want to be discussing your general health with your physician for screening purposes. So it, say, for instance, you work in a very dusty environment or a lot of uh, chemicals, uh, you're a smoker. Activities such as these are known risks, but being related to somebody with uh, COPD or other lung disease can be a risk for COPD as well. So we uh, do recommend that you be screened for COPD if you have risks, even before you have those symptoms, because treatment early in the disease is actually very beneficial and helps postpone the development of those symptoms or restrictions on your lifestyle and activities. That is Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. Medical professionals also highly encourage people to be screened for lung cancer through a pulmonary function test when symptoms of COPD exist. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is enjoying some cooler temperatures. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley has still not seen its first significant cool down, but fronts have been making their way through the area, giving us some relief from the hot weather. Daytime highs have been hitting mid to upper 80s instead of the mid 90s. Relative humidity, though, has been very, very low. And this has brought fire warnings out. Already a 500 acre fire in central Star County, well, that consumed a couple of homes and a lot of rangeland. Valley onion planting is starting to wrap up now. Plenty of cabbage, carrots, and other salad greens. That planting continues. The sugarcane harvest is also kicked off. The mill will have its usual start and stops until all the parts of the mill operation are checked out. Now, the first cane harvested will be used for plant cane, and that will replace the fields that are being plowed out. Valley cattle continue to enjoy the green grass, still belly deep in the fields. It's hard to remember, though, when grass has been this plentiful heading into this fall. Well, valley producers have put up a lot of hay for the season. And the harvest of a very, very small citrus crop is just now starting. You know, maybe we're looking at two tons of fruit to the acre instead of the 20-plus tons that we usually harvest. The fruit is still being taken uh, to the degreening room with a lack of the cool weather. The color will not break on the peel until it's uh, put under ethylene gas. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Reporting for Texas Ag Today. Researchers across the United States are hoping to find a way to help bats. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And mastitis is a major concern in dairy cows. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. 
With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Mastitis is a major concern in the dairy industry, and Dr. Bob Judd says there's a particular organism that seems to be an increasing cause of mastitis. Bovine Veterinarian indicates milk quality control programs have reduced bulk milk tank somatic cell counts to historically low levels, with this decrease in infections from typical organisms like staph and strep. But we're now seeing increased infections from different organisms like E. coli and Klebsiella. These are coliform bacteria, meaning these organisms are normally found in the intestinal tract. Causes of mastitis by the coliform organisms is due to the cow's response to lipopolysaccharide outer layer of the organism and not the organism itself. This reaction can cause severe disease and has caused an increased number of cows to be culled or not survive the infection. The bacteria commonly remains on bedding material regardless of the type of bedding, so reducing exposure is difficult. Another option is vaccination for Klebsiella. However, in a 2014 study, Cows were vaccinated at 60 and then 30 days prior to calving, and lactating cows were again vaccinated 35 and 90 days after calving, and 55% of the herd still developed clinical mastitis, with 14% being due to Klebsiella. The farm also experienced a higher rate of mastitis caused by E. coli. A new Klebsiella vaccine was tested in 2015, and it is supposed to decrease bacterial growth once the bacteria enters the mammary gland. In this study, 50% of the cows were vaccinated, and the vaccinated cows had a decrease in mastitis due to Klebsiella of almost 77%. Vaccinated cows also had an increase in milk production and decreased somatic cell counts in the milk. However, the vaccine should not be used in heifers prior to calving. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers around the United States are looking for a way to help bats. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. There are many benefits to having bats around. They serve as pollinators for flowers and for row crops. They feed on pests for row crops, orchards, and in forests. They also eat insects like mosquitoes that can spread disease to humans and livestock. But there are a variety of threats to the flying mammals. Susan Loeb, U.S. Forest Service researcher, says researchers across the United States are looking into ways to help bats with the problems they face, like white nose syndrome. Researchers, say from the Forest Products Lab, is looking, uh, doing a lot of research on the fungus itself. Other people, like myself, are looking at bats' responses to the disease and looking at their torpor patterns, how those are affected by the fungus, and looking at their population dynamics and whether we are actually seeing some stabilization in these populations. And if so, what kinds of behaviors are they exhibiting that is allowing them to survive? 
White nose syndrome is a fungal disease that is killing bats in North America. It earned its name because the fungus appears white on the muzzles, ears, and wings of affected bats. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department reports it has killed up to 95% of bats living at individual sites where the fungus has been found. It causes bats to exhaust their fat reserves as they hibernate. That forces them to leave their hibernation spot to find food in the midwinter. TPWD reports that bats die when they either cannot find food or suffer from exposure to the elements. The department does have an action plan for white nose syndrome and has been funding research into the disease. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market to wrap up the week on Friday, while the cotton market was lower and grains finished higher. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw mostly lower trade in the cattle complex to wrap up the week on Friday. The exception was the nearby December live cattle contract. It was supported by a higher cash trade through the week. It finished 25 higher on Friday to close at 132.12, while the deferreds finished lowered. February down 30 cents, 136.10. April live cattle down 35 139.90. A higher corn market putting pressure on the feeder market Friday. November feeder cattle down a dollar seven, one fifty six twenty five. January down a dollar thirty five at one fifty seven seventy two. While March feeders down a dollar twenty seven, one fifty nine seventeen. Cash fed cattle market looked really good throughout the week. We topped out cattle at one thirty two on a live basis. That is three dollars higher than the previous week. Up north, dress cattle sold as high as 207. That's four dollars higher than a week ago. Boxed beef on Friday higher with choice up four cents, 285.18. Select up 208 at 269.37. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to head to the Colotch capital of Texas. We do that about every two weeks and talk to my friend Carl Herman. Carl, how was that sale on Wednesday? Uh, had over 1,200 head for 150 consigners and 52 buyers on a steady cow market and calf market. Uh, on the cows, we had right at 200 cows and bulls. Slaughter cows, 20 to 66. Slaughter bulls, 60 to 88. Stocker cows, 500 to 1,200. And the pairs, 800 to 1,275. On the uh, steers, two to three weight steers, 160 to 187. Three to four weights, 
Earnhardt, 155 to 202. Four to five weights, 151 to 182. Five to six weights, steers, 145 to 172. Six to seven weights, 130 to 149. And the seven to eight weights, 120 to 131. A lot of these uh, bigger steers are sure busting 900 to 1,000 bucks. On uh, on heifer side, two to three weights, 140 to 157. Three to four weights, 136 to 187. Four to five weight heifers brought 134 to 167. Five to six weights, 127 to 160. Six to seven weights, 127 to 150. And the seven eight weight heifers, 108 to 128. Starting to see a little cleanup, Larry, getting towards the end of the year. And we've still got green grass and quite a bit of it. And there's a lot of people that are kind of tending to hold their cattle just a little bit longer. We hadn't had a frost yet, and they still got some grass. That's okay, but I wouldn't go too far with it. I'd go ahead and try to, while the prices are good, get them marketed and, and uh, save those cows while they still got some green grass to raise and, and go in the winter in good shape. We've got sale next week, and then we're off next week for Thanksgiving, and then uh, we've got three sales in December. Tell everybody how to contact you. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Abner, 540-8676. Carl, we appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. Yep. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoyed it, Larry. You Thank bet. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, neighbor, we appreciate you here at Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. See you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs closed higher Friday. December hogs up 50 cents at 75.87. February up $1.47, 80.55. Class 3 milk was lower. November down 19 cents at $18 even. December milk down 45, 17.63, 100 weight. The cotton market saw a fairly quiet trade on Friday. Not a whole lot of support in the market. We had a very poor export sales report on Thursday. That weighed on the market somewhat. It looks like China has only bought about 60% of the required amount of cotton that it agreed to purchase under the Phase 1 trade deal treaty put together under President Trump. That agreement expires on December 31st of this year. December cotton down 85 points Friday, wrapping up at 117.69. March down 33 Closing at 115.08, December 22 cotton up 9 points, 91.65 cents. The corn market finishing strongly higher Friday, getting spillover support from the soy complex. We saw a big run-up in soybean meal prices on Friday, and that boosted the entire soy complex. And that spilled over and helped out the corn market. December corn up 7 and 3 quarters, 577 and a quarter. March corn up 7 at 585. The wheat market finishing higher for the fifth day in a row on Friday. Looks like Russia did increase their export tax on wheat, and that, of course, tightens up wheat supplies on the world market. July Kansas City wheat up four cents, eight eighteen a bushel. July Chicago wheat up three and three quarters, closing at the same price, eight eighteen a bushel. In the energy markets Friday, December natural gas was down thirty five cents, four seventy nine. December crude oil down 70 at 80.89 a barrel. The financial markets Friday were slightly higher. The Dow up 163 points, 36,084. The Nasdaq up 140 at 15,844. The S&P up 29 points, 4,678. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org.
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.